So the reading today is from Acts chapter 2, and we're starting at verse 22. So in the Church Bibles, that's uh, page 1093. So Acts 2, verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, sorry, the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. <coughs> Amen. Marvellous. Well, it's good to be here today, isn't it? Now, if you hear any random strange noises, uh, it's likely to be junior church are meeting out in the garden, because it's nice weather, but there's doors open. So if you hear random screams or shouting or games or something like that, we haven't, we're not being invaded by an army or something, it's just the kids out in the garden. There we go. It might be my stomach gurgling, I don't know, but it's probably kids in the garden. Let me uh, pray for us as we get stuck in. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this great day, for all that it means. And we pray that as we look at your word now, you'd help us to understand more what it does mean, that you would give us insights into what it is we've just seen and done with regards to baptism, and that you would help us all to grow in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, some signs are really quite easy to understand. So, for example, I imagine we could all, if you can read English, know what you're supposed to do when you see that sign. It's a very simple one. It tells you what it means. Stop. But not every sign is automatically quite so clear. Is this the swimming pool for cars? Is this sort of warning about the Italian job or something like that? Like, what's actually happening in this, uh, in this sign? It is about watching out that you don't drive into the lake or whatever it is. Uh, or this one, perhaps. No stunts. No flying motorcycles allowed. No, it's no vehicles in general. Uh, or, or this one. This is a genuine sign. This is a genuine sign. There, It's from a zoo. And thankfully, this one has words on it. Please check under your car for penguins before driving away. It needs to be explained. If you just had that picture, you would think, what on earth is going on there? It needs to be explained. And today has something a little bit similar to that. We baptized Karis. It's a wonderful thing. But it's very easily misunderstood. If all we had was seeing it, we would likely misunderstand it. We might think, oh, there's where we have the magic water, and something has radically changed at that moment. Or we might think we've walked in on a a scuba diving class for beginners or something like that, very, very much beginners. We need to be told what it means, or we will get the wrong end of the stick. Now, the Lord Jesus gave the church two signs, two ordinances or activities that symbolize truths right at the heart of Christianity, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And thankfully, we don't just have to watch somebody doing those things without any explanation. In the Bible, we're told what they mean so that we can read the signs and understand. In fact, if we read the signs, if we understand it properly, we will understand what being a Christian is all about. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at these signs of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we had a baptism today. Next Sunday morning, we're taking the Lord's Supper. And we're doing that to make sure we really get what's going on, that we really understand it. And this week, it's baptism. Now, if you'll pardon the pun, we're going to dive in in a slightly unusual way. Our normal way we do things here uh, at Wem Baptist Church is to just read one chunk of the Bible and study that And then the following week, we just do the next bit and and do it like that. Today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to skim over the book of Acts, and we're going to dip into places where people are baptized to see what we can learn. So it's a slightly different one. Uh, If you're not normally at church, it's not normally like this. So if you don't like it, we'll come back another time, and then you can see if it's any different. Uh, But we're going to see three things. As we sort of look through and see various people getting baptized, what we're told is happening at each of those. And here's the, the first one, that baptism is a sign of repentance. Baptism is a sign of repentance. To repent is to change direction, to turn around, to change your mind, to change your whole direction of life from going one way to going the opposite way. That is repentance. And baptism is a sign that that 
has happened to a person. We see that really clearly in the bit of Acts that Lynn read for us earlier in Acts chapter 2. Right at the start of the church story, the first ever spirit-empowered Christian sermon, the Apostle Peter is teaching the crowds about how Jesus was killed, about how he's now alive, and that that means he is the promised Messiah. And so when he finishes, the people then say in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? When you hear that they're convicted, they've been struck to the heart, they can't believe they've made such a stupid mistake as to have rejected Jesus, the one who is the Messiah and the Rescuer. And they think, "What, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? We've got it all wrong. Is there anything we can do about it? Is it too late? And the answer comes in verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So you hear that? Repent and be baptized. Because baptism is a picture of that, of repentance. People realize, don't they, that they have been so wrong, so wrong about Jesus. They felt awful. But Peter reassures them, though it's not too late to turn back, to repent, to say sorry to God, change direction, to go his way again. And getting baptized is a way of marking that publicly. I am going a different way now. I'm going with the Lord Jesus. And so that's what they did. In verse 40, with many other words, he warned them. Again, that's a call to repent, isn't it? He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a lot of people, isn't it? 3,000. These people were warned. They were told, you are going the wrong way down that road of rejecting Jesus. And that way ends in disaster, in judgment, in misery. Turn around. Repent. And everybody who did that got baptized. Now, sometimes people think that baptism is a thing that good people do. It's a nice religious ceremony for nice religious people. But it's not that, is it? It's for people who know that they are bad, for people who want to change, for people who want forgiveness. And that same idea comes right near the end of Acts. In Acts 22, verse 16, where you can be flicking and giving yourself paper cuts if you like, where there are really um, important verses, I'm going to stick them up on the screen. So it's up to you uh, whether you take my word for it or not. But Acts 22, verse 16, Paul is explaining how he became a Christian. And part of that involved a man called Ananias urging him to respond to Jesus, saying to Paul, now what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash, away, wash your sins away, calling on his name. We talked a bit about that earlier, didn't we? The baptism is a kind of washing. Not that it actually takes your sin off, but a picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. A picture of what happens to us when we turn back to him. It's a sign of repentance. Just like how if you um, jump in the shower, that is a sign that I know I smell. I know I do. I know I do. I know I've got whatever it is all over me, and I want to change that. And so I'm going to do this as a sign that I want to change. I can remember uh, decades ago, I think I was 
talking to Karis about this a while ago. I can remember decades ago when I was thinking about getting baptized, I said to my pastor, I, I just don't feel good enough to get baptized. To which they said, good, <laughs> good, you might just understand the gospel then. Because <laughs> it's not a sign that you're good, it's a sign of repentance. Imagine if you thought to yourself, well, I couldn't possibly take a bath, I'm just too dirty. That doesn't make any sense, does it? The bath is for dirty people. That is literally what it is there for. And baptism as well is a sign of repentance, a sign that I'm, I'm turning around. I know I've not been right, and I want to turn back to the Lord. Which is why throughout the book of Acts, it is marking the start of somebody's Christian journey. It's not something that they wait down the line until they're a little bit more sorted out. The pattern in the New Testament is repent and be baptized. That happened that day in chapter 2, didn't it? There's 3,000 people heard the gospel for the first time and 3,000 people got baptized. Now, it, it, it might be worth sometimes waiting to make sure that someone really has understood it and that they really are repentant and that it's not just a moment that's going to pass and they'll wake up tomorrow and go, oh no, I don't know what I did that for. But normally, conversion and baptism ought to be much closer together because that's what it's a sign of, isn't it? It's a sign that someone has repented. Connected to that, baptism is a sign of belief. Of belief. This isn't just somebody saying, totally irrespective of Jesus, I'm going to change from now on. No, this is a sign that somebody's trust is now in the Lord Jesus. Just like back in chapter 2, verse 41, who got baptized? Those who accepted his message were baptized. This is really clear in chapter 8. There is a, a bad guy called Simon. And he's doing amazing tricks, he's gaining a real following, until a Christian called Philip comes and he preaches to them about Jesus. And let's see the response to this in Acts chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. They've been following this, this guy Simon and it says, But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Same thing happens in chapter 18. They're in Corinth. They're preaching the gospel. We read this. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So we had repent and be baptized. Now we've got this other thing. Believe and be baptized. It's a sign of faith. Same thing happens in Acts 16. They're in Philippi, a different city. A lady called Lydia Here's the gospel. Verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And in the very next verse, she and her, the members of her household were baptized right there and then. They've understood it. They've not just understood it. God has done something in them. The Bible is clear. But God needs to do something in our hearts. We are closed to him. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to know. But when the Lord opens our hearts, we can respond to that message with faith and express that faith in baptism. Later on in that same chapter of Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they're in prison God sends an earthquake, breaks their chains, and the prison guard rushes in thinking, oh my goodness, what on earth has just happened? And, uh, and he says this to them in Acts 16, verse 30, 
Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a great question, isn't it? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, it's not if he believes then his household is saved. It's rather saying that promise of being saved through faith, that is on offer to any of them. That is on offer to any of them, as shown in the next bit. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So all of them heard. All of them believed. And so all of them got baptized. Hopefully we're building a bit of a picture here, aren't we? Believing in Jesus. This is more than just simply believing that he existed. It is trusting him, trusting that he is that king, that rescuer. That's what they were preaching about, the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, the name that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the king who has come to fix everything that's broken, the king who's come to rule the world wisely and well, the king who has come to fulfill all of God's promises Bring in the future that we're all longing for to deal with our sin. Jesus is that rescuer, king. So the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? What can I do? What must I do if I'm going to have my sin forgiven? If I'm going to be welcomed into God's people instead of cast out? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That might be a question that you are asking. What must I do to be saved? I'm aware that I'm not right. What must I do? Well, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. He is like the, the lifeguard who has dived in to rescue us, and we're drowning in our sin. And he's saying, grab onto him, do not let go of him, cling on to Jesus as if your life depended on it, because it does. He will save you. Baptism doesn't save you. No good thing that we do saves us. Only Jesus saves us. But baptism is a sign that our belief is in him. That we're united to him in faith. And that's why baptism is like a reenactment of what happened to Jesus. We're declaring as we go down into the water, my faith is in Jesus' death in my place. Just as he was buried, we go down beneath the surface. We're, we're sort of submerged in a watery grave as a sign of saying, that is where my old life has gone. That is what Jesus has done with my sin. He has buried it just as I've gone under the water. It is gone and dead. And as we burst out of the water, we are declaring our faith, not only in Jesus' death for us, but in his life for us. Just that he didn't stay dead, he erupted out of the tomb, we rise up as well. We have a new life. We live totally differently. Baptism is a declaration of faith in our murdered and risen Saviour. The, the wet bit of baptism, that was actually quite short, wasn't it? That was actually quite short. I think Karen was probably under the water two seconds, maybe, tops. And since then, she has been breathing the fresh air, feet on solid ground, 
And that is what it's like for us in, 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 in Christ as well. We have died. Now, what are we going to do the rest of our lives? We are now alive. Now, obviously, when we sin, we want to put that to death. We want to keep repenting, get rid of it. But we're alive now. And the rest of our lives is lived in faith, in His victory over sin and death. Baptism is a sign of that belief and that repentance. And those two things of repentance and belief, they're two sides of the same coin, aren't they? They are, one is turning away from sin, the other is turning towards Jesus. Turning away from our old life, we leave that dead at the bottom of the pool. But now we walk out the other way than we came in, this time we're following Jesus. So can we see how baptism is giving us a window right into the heart of Christianity that it's worth us taking time like this even if you might say look you have not told me anything I didn't already know this is basic stuff isn't it but it is good to be reminded again of the wonderful good news of Jesus that when we repent and believe we're saved repenting of our sins Believing in Christ, that's what we must do. That's how we get right with God. And that is how we continue with God. That is how we carry on, keeping on repenting, keeping on believing. We can make it so complicated, can't we? Much more complicated than it needs to be. We need to repent and believe. So, is there sin in our lives? Of course there is. Of course there is. Well, let's turn away from it. If you're a Christian, you are battling sin. What do you need to do today? Repent and believe in the good news. If you are not a Christian, what do you need to do today? Repent and believe in the good news. Whether your own baptism was years ago, whether before today you'd never given God a second thought, repent and believe the good news today. That is what baptism is a sign of. And because of that, because it's a sign of those things, baptism is a sign of belonging. It's a sign of belonging, a sign that having repented of our sin and believing in Jesus, we now belong. We belong with God. We're welcome with Him and we're welcome with His people. Baptism isn't a private thing. It's a powerful public thing of somebody openly identifying with God's people. I am one of them. And God's people identifying with them in return and say, yes, you're one of us. And so that's why Karis didn't just do her baptism at home, in the bath. We do it here, among God's gathered people, because it's a sign of belonging. And we see that in a few places in Acts as well. So chapter 8, Philip, the person we met earlier, he preaches the gospel to a man from Ethiopia and this man is a eunuch, so he would have been a palace servant who'd been castrated in his youth. That is a terrible thing to happen to you. It would have denied you any family life. It would have brought rejection from other people. He's just come from Jerusalem. He wouldn't have been allowed into the temple itself because he was a eunuch. But now he hears about Jesus. He hears about Jesus having been led like a sheep to the slaughter, dying for our sins and he responds to this good news. Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Now that is a question, isn't it? It's full of hope. Maybe a little bit of fear. 
I've been excluded my whole life. There have been things I cannot do, places I cannot go. But Jesus seems different. Is there now anything standing in the way of me doing this? To which the answer is, welcome. No. And so verse 38, he gave the order to stop the chariots. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. So baptizing the eunuch was a way of communicating to him, you belong now. Your sins need not get in the way, nor the things that have been done against you need not get in the way. Jesus dealt with all of it, all of it. You belong now. Similar idea in Acts 10. The start of Acts 10, Peter is very much of the opinion that if you are not Jewish, you are a second-class citizen, even if you're a Christian. And through this chapter, God makes it very clear that is not true. God shows no favoritism. Anyone who repents, anyone who believes is welcome. So almost despite himself, Peter preaches the gospel to some Gentiles. They are converted on the spot. And verse 45 says, the circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, even on them, people like me, people like many of us. Can you believe it? Even people like us might be welcome with God. And so Peter concludes this, verse 47. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is a massive thing. To say these non-Jews are just as much part of God's people as the Jewish believers are. So they're baptized just the same. It's a sign that they belong. It's a sign for all of us that we are on equal footing when it comes to God. There is no VIP treatment for some. There is no rejection or, or lower class standing for others. That it doesn't matter who we are or what our family background is or, or our level of education or our relationship history or whatever box you might tick on the census form or anything like that. If you are now a Christian, you belong. And so you get that sign of belonging, baptism, the same one everybody else gets. It's not that, you know, some of you get to go in sort of dirty bath water. Others of you, you can be baptized in Evian. You know, I, I wouldn't dare get baptized in anything less than mineral water. No, it is the same. As it says later on in the Bible, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Baptism is a sign of belonging. So I've got to ask, have you been baptised? Have you been baptised? If you are repenting of sin, believing in Jesus, then you do belong in God's people. Which means this sign of repentance and believing and belonging is for you. Lots of people put it off for all kinds of reasons, whether it is about feeling nervous about it, standing up the front, or, or feeling not quite good enough. I was saying that was me earlier. Uh, or wondering if it's not actually needed. I know in the sense it's not needed. You can get to heaven without it. The thief on the cross wasn't baptized, all that kind of stuff. But if he hadn't been nailed to a cross, you can bet he would have been baptized. People who belong through repentance and faith want to live in obedience now to their new king, including to that command that they get baptized. So if you are a Christian, 
and you haven't been baptized, perhaps the verse for you is one we've already read from Acts 22. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. Maybe you became a Christian absolutely yonks ago, but you've just never taken the plunge. Well, maybe you became a Christian five minutes ago. Let's talk about this today. Let's arrange a time we can chat, and maybe if it's appropriate, get a date in the diary for your baptism. Perhaps, though, you're totally new, you just want to find out a bit more. Well, one way to do that is pick up one of these booklets. Uh, it's called Baptism, A Guide for the Dry. It is very, very short, and the idea is this is aimed at someone who's been invited to a baptism and wants to understand it. Some of these things you would have already heard today, these are going to be out on, on your way out. Take one, pick it up, read it. Um, if you want to talk more, we'd be very happy to do that, but, but pick one of these things up and have a read. But for many of us, perhaps even most of us, the application of this today is not going to be get baptized, because you have been baptized well, how, what are you guys supposed to take away from all this? What am I supposed to take away from this? Well, one thing, I hope it's done us good to think more about the Lord Jesus and what He's done. But also, I wonder whether going to a baptism as a baptized person is a bit like going to a wedding as a married person. It was Naomi and Alex's wedding here yesterday. A lovely day. Two people committing their lives to one another. And as a married person... It brings back memories of your own wedding. You hear the vows and you think, wow, am I still loving my wife? Am I comforting her, honoring her, protecting her, forsaking all others, being faithful to her as long as I shall live? Because that's what I said I was going to do. It pulls you back to basics. And, and a baptism ought to do the same for us. So if it's been a while since your baptism, think back to that day. Think back to that day. Think back to the, the nerves or the, the excitement. More to the point, think back to the clarity of that moment. That sense that, as the old hymn puts it, if ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. I don't know if I was a Christian yesterday, but I know I am right now. Have we lost something of that? Perhaps we need to pray. We need to refocus on these important things. Perhaps it's got very, very complicated for us and we need to remember those basic things that baptism points to. Repentance and belief and belonging. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this sign of baptism. I want to thank you for all that it represents, all that it teaches us. As we've witnessed a baptism today, may we understand that sign rightly and respond ourselves, whether we have before or never have before, by repenting of our sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that everyone who does this is welcomed in and belongs with you. Help us to rejoice in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.